this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we'll be joined by my friend and colleague, Lewis Riddick, one of the top NFL analysts in the business, who is taking on an expanded role on Monday Night Football this season. Plus, he also will serve as the keynote speaker at the 2018 Pitt Football Kickoff Luncheon held at Heinz Field on August 24th. It's going to be a busy fall for Lewis Riddick, but first, we talked with him on this week's Adam Schefter podcast. All right, this week we're joined by my colleague, my friend, someone I've known for a very long time, yep. but I've gotten to know very well over the last few years, there you go. more than I have over the course of that long period of time. And we're going to get to that because mm-hmm. there's a lot there. But I want to start with the fact that you are going to have added responsibilities on Monday night yeah. this year at the expense of Morton Night to a certain extent, but that's fine, Luke. <laughs> we're going hey, with that. Hey, you know... <laughs> I just want to be at the games, Adam. I oh, you're going to be at the games, games Lou. man. I just want to be down there on the grass. You know, you know what it was. You know what really? I, look, I, I already, I always knew I wanted to be at the games more, but you know what really did it was going down to the Pro Bowl and going to the practice. Really? And then when the games started, even though it's like you know it's like a glorified scrimmage, the Pro Bowl is. But man, you know when the players come out and you know you hear the music, the pregame music, and you smell the hot dogs and popcorn, and even the crowd there got a little excited. That is intoxicating, man. You never lose your desire to hear that and feel that atmosphere. And I was like, I got to get back to the game. So if you didn't go to the Pro Bowl this year, you no. might not have requested to be at Monday Night Football, which is the no, end assignment. I, I, no, I, you know what? I knew I was always trending that way anyway, Adam. I knew I wanted to be doing more with live broadcasts. And here, I mean, obviously at ESPN, I mean, we only have Monday Night Football. So that's really the only place you can really go to do that unless you're doing college football, which we have a ton of. But I always knew I wanted to do something with the games. I, I, ultimately, I always wanted to call games. I always wanted to be a color call analyst. Games. Be a color analyst is, is what I'm saying. Not necessarily, not, not a play-by-play guy. Quite honestly, play-by-play guy to me, you know, he just kind of like, he directs traffic, so to speak. The analyst is the guy who really can tell you about what's happening and, and really kind of color the game for you. And I always thought I wanted to do that. And because what that would do is that would put me as close to the game as I could be without actually still playing or being involved in front office or coaching or something like that. And I think it's perfect. And I think that's why a lot of players ultimately, they, and coaches, that's ultimately why they want to do, be a color analyst because it's, you're right there. You're talking to those coaches every week. You're talking to players every week. You're down on the field for pregame. You know, that, that atmosphere, you know what that atmosphere is no, like. Electric. There's nothing like it. No. There's nothing like it in sports. You know, so when you were a player, did you envision one day doing this, what you're doing right now? Honestly, yeah, I thought getting into TV was something I would want to do at some point in time. I didn't know where my front office career was going to go. I didn't plan on coming here at the time that I did. It just all added. I mean, it just all came together perfectly with the with the beginning of NFL Insiders. But I always thought I'd be able to talk about football on TV, on the radio, or in some kind of media capacity because talking about the game has always been pretty easy for me. And talking in front of people has never intimidated me. I remember taking a public speaking class when I was a freshman at the University of Pittsburgh. And after my first uh, assignment that I did, I remember the teacher saying to me, have you done much of this before? And I was like, yeah, I did I did something in high school once, but that was it. And they were like, you're very natural talking to people. You don't get shy. Your voice doesn't go down. You don't feel your voice shaking. And he goes, it's just something that's natural to you. I think maybe you ought to, you ought to think about that in the future, depending upon what you want to do. And I'm going, well, you know, I kind of play for the Pitt football team. I'd like to play football, you know, but the the cool thing about it was, though, speaking to, you know, a large number of people, I like it. 
But you, but you were on a front office path. The Redskins yeah. from 2001 to 2004 yep. uh, as a pro scout, then as the director of personnel from 2005 to 2007. Yeah. Eagles from 2008 to 2013. Yeah. Rising from a scout to director sure. of pro personnel. Sure. So how did you transition from that to this? You know, quite honestly, I, I'll say this. Because you're on a path. For sure. Look, it, it, this is, again, getting in the TV at the time that I did was not what the plan was. It really wasn't. I was trying to be a GM and thought I was very, very close to doing that. For one reason or another, it doesn't happen that way, right? So, but when I was in Philadelphia, one of the things I used to do, Adam, was do advanced scouting. And I used to go into a room and talk with Andy Reid, Marty Mornenweg, Jim Johnson, Sean McDermott, mm-hmm. Pat Shermer, David Culley, all these guys, Matt Nagy, when he was just a young coach, Doug Peterson, these are all in the same room at one time. And I used to talk to these guys, first offense and then defense, mm-hmm. about the upcoming opponent, give them a rundown of what they what they were like individually. And then schematically, I'm sitting there telling Andy Reid, Coach, this is how I would attack them. This is who I would go after. This is who I would stay away from. Then go to the defensive side. And I mean, this, you're talking about D. Jim Johnson and Sean McDermott and these guys. And – it was just, it was so natural and easy for me and so comfortable because of what my background had been. And where there was such a great back and forth between those guys. And I learned so much that, you know, I, I even at that time, I thought, you know, I used to watch pregame shows. I used to watch you. I used to watch Boomer. I watched everybody. You know, we, we have it on all the time in front offices. We're not always saying the nicest things all the time. We're, you know, we're all sometimes <laughs> people, that you know, people, people are sometimes in there going, shut up. You don't know what you're talking. That's wrong. That's wrong. I mean, of course, we all did that. But I used to sit there and go, you know what? I kind of like, I would like to do that at some point in time. I really would. Cause there were so many things that I've learned and so many stories I've heard. Yeah. I thought, I'll bet you people would be kind of interested in that at some point in time. But you know, when you're in that grind, you're just thinking about trying to win the next game. But I always thought it would be a possibility, just not the way it happened. And you didn't have any TV training, so how does no. that come? No, I, you know what? Again, it's just about, it was about being, I'm comfortable talking about what we talk about here. We talk about the game. It's what we, you know and love. That's right. So when whenever you're doing that, right, as long as you don't get all flustered when you see that red light going on the top of the camera and you're able to take instruction in your ear, then it just, the rest of it kind of just flowed for me. I remember the very first show, I did my first show with you. It was it was you, Sal Palantonio hosted it. I forget, maybe Mort was the other person on the show that day. But that very first show, the very first live show, we'd done two rehearsals and I did a live show. I remember thinking, I might be all right at this. Because it just felt very natural. Taking instruction in my ear was cool. I, you know, I'm a pretty coachable dude. So when people were saying, hey, look, you know, try to, you know, formulate your responses like this, kind of look over here, maybe sit like this. I kind of was like, all right, that's cool. That all makes sense to me. It just came easy for me. I shouldn't say easy. It came natural. And I was, I remember going back to my hotel, you know, back in Farmington when I was staying at the Marriott. And I remember thinking, this is all right, man. I kind of like this. I really did. You know, and I didn't know, I was was nervous as you know what before that first show. But Sal just kind of put me at ease sitting around you, sitting, put me at ease. I'm going, we're just talking ball. Forget the fact that you're on camera. Having fun. We're just talking ball. Camera means nothing. And that's what it is. I mean, sometimes people ask me all the time, well, what's it like being on TV with Schefter and Mortensen and these guys and you guys are talking about games? It's got to be so nerd. I'm going, you know what? We're not saving the world, man. We're talking about professional football. It's actually a lot of fun. And sometimes I forget that we're even on camera. Which is the best kind that's of TV. Right. That's and, right. And I will say this. 
the insider show that me, you, and Mort did together. That, that was the best. That that Are was some of my favorite me? TV that I've ever done here in nine years. That was one hour of just nothing but action as far as information. Fast-paced yeah. information, opinion, That's right. analysis, That's no right. wasted time. No BS at all. No, none. And you know what? Even even the production meetings, you know, when we used to have those phone calls with Matt on the phone on Saturday nights, Matt, Matt, Garrett, Matt Garrett, the big yeah, red, our producer. It was awesome. I mean, those those exchanges right. of info and ideas and stuff, I mean, people would die to hear that stuff. How much stuff we didn't even get to talk about that you guys would have that we just ran, run out of time. So, yeah, I mean, it was, um, look, the, the transition has been very... It's just been I, the best way I can put it, Adam. It's been very natural. It really has, and I like now being able to talk to you guys and talk to people about football in a way that I don't have to couch my opinions. I don't have to worry about someone getting offended or getting, you know, kind of sensitive about me disagreeing with them, which is what front office work can be riddled with sometimes. And it has been a rapid rise for you here at the network. Congratulations on all your well-deserved success. Well, thank you. Like, Again, this year you're going to be out on site on Monday Night Football with mm-hmm. Susie Culber doing pregame, halftime, postgame, yeah. which is tremendous. Mort and I can go home early. We get Mort to bed early, which is good for him. <laughs> yeah, Mort needs those naps, man. The halftime. He needs those naps. When did you know, you said the first day you knew, okay, I can do this, but when did you know that your star was rising to another level here, which it has done. Sure. In the entire, how many has you been here? Five, six years. It's been. This will be the sixth season. Okay. That's how I kind of. That's how. That's how I count them. I guess 2013 was the first season. So 13, 14, 15. Yeah, this is the sixth season. And when did you know, boy? Like you knew you could do it. Yeah. But when did you know, boy? I'm taking it to the next level. Two things happened. One, the first time I did the draft for radio with Mark Slareth and um, and John Clayton is when I kind of knew, all right, kind of, even though we weren't on camera that night, I was like, you know, this is a big, big event. Even though we're on radio, I'm really prepared. I kind of took my front office training into that, that particular night. And I'm going, I really, I really think I might be able to do something with this. And then the next year when Ray was taken, well, when he left the draft and he went down to Baltimore and I remember Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, right. You know, man, I got to remember to do that. (laughs) People don't know who I'm talking about. That's one of the coaching points I got from you know many times. Jerry about, hey, just don't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't just say people's first name all the time. But then I got the call from Seth Markman uh, when Ray went to Baltimore, and he said, "Are you prepared?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm doing radio again this year." And he goes, "No, are you really prepared for this draft?" And I was like, "Sure." He goes, "Good, because we're gonna get you on a plane. You're coming out here, and you're doing the first night in place of Ray." And there was this silence, and he goes, "Are you not gonna say anything? <laughs> are you nervous?" I was like, "No." I'm actually not. I said I, I'm ready. So when I got out there that night, when things started, when the, when the draft started and the music came on, it was so loud. And I remember, I remember and that's Bo- electric too. By the no, way, no, one of the best nights there is yeah. in football. And I remember Boomer looking at me, and he just said to me, "He's like, just do what you do, man." Yeah. He goes, "We're just talking ball. Just a bunch of guys talking." And I remember looking at my phone, Adam, and I remember seeing it just lighten up, and I'm going, "Either I'm stinking the joint up." Or people, or, or like, um, I mean, what's going on? Do I have something hanging up my nose? What's going on? My phone was just blowing up. And, and then you know, one of the commercial breaks, I checked it, and people were just saying, you're tearing it up. This is awesome. You look so good out there. You seem so comfortable. Your information is so different than other people's. That's when I thought, okay, I Got might be able to do something big here. I might be able to do something big. We'll be back in a moment with more of my conversation with Lewis Riddick. But first, I want to tell you about Peter Millar. 
Recently, I've been receiving my style tips from the clothing experts at Peter Millar. If you're a golfer like me, you know the name. If you don't, you should, because Peter Millar is all about quality, value, and style. It's the most comfortable clothing I wear. Right now, I'm wearing their performance shorts. What I love about these Peter Millar shorts is they offer so much comfort and style no matter what I'm doing. They're moisture-wicking, breathable, and quick-drying. Plus, they have a stretch waistband, so they move with you. That makes them perfect for playing around a golf, taking care of chores around the house, anything you'll be doing this weekend. And they're easy to take care of. You can throw them into your washer and dryer. You'll never want to wear your old shorts again. The performance shorts I'm wearing are the most comfortable pair of shorts I've ever worn. I can say that about everything I've ever worn from Peter Millar. And right now you can head over to PeterMillar.com slash AS to check out some of my Peter Millar favorites. Be sure to use my link and you'll receive complimentary shipping and a free hat. That's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash AS. PeterMillar.com slash AS. Seth Markman and I have had a debate for years who actually discovered you. He takes credit for it. I say, <laughs> I knew you when, and I recommended you to him yeah. way back when. Yeah. So set the record straight here. How long have I'll, you I'll, and I known each other, and how did this well, come to I'll, be? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, I remember meeting you when I played for the Oakland Raiders, 1998. Yeah. I remember uh, going out to dinner with you and Paul Sheehy in Denver. And that's when I. That's when you were you were still working for the Post then? Denver Post, yeah. so 1998, so we're talking yeah. 20 years that's ago. That's right, yep. I remember that night. I remember that dinner. So... How did this really come to be? A cousin of mine, Will Lewis, you know him. He used to he used to Good work man. for the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. He worked for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> this is I thought he was going to come back. To that's Will what Lewis. that's what it was. See, now he at the time he he had got a job offer for the Kansas City Chiefs to work in the pro personnel department with John Dorsey, and he knew about NFL Insider starting up. He goes, "Hey, there's this show, this new show that's that reached out to Will Lewis. That's right." And he goes, "You know what, John Clayton, Adam Schefter, all these guys know about. You know, they're they're looking for someone." Who has a front office background? He goes, I'm gonna, probably going to take the job in Kansas City. And at the time, this is when I had already left Philadelphia. You've been let go by Philadelphia, and I'm sitting there thinking, and things aren't working out for me. I honestly don't know what I what I want to do at this point. He goes, call this guy Seth Markman. Just call him. He goes, I'm not going to do that. He goes, I think you'd be good at that. So let's just see how that goes. I call Seth, talk to him for about 15 minutes on the phone. I remember walking around outside my house. We'll talk. I'm going, and he goes, you know what? I want you to come up here for the auditions. Just after the phone call. We come up here, we have auditions. Adam Kaplan was here. Uh, Wendy was here. Wendy next. Wendy next was here. God, <laughs> I keep doing it, man. Isn't it amazing? Come Adam on, Kaplan. In your sixth right, season, I, get I it know. together. <laughs> Wendy Nix was here. Adam Kaplan. Let's see. There was, I mean, there was a bunch of people. Ed Warder was here. Um, and they kind of like filtered us all through there. And we all went through this round robin. And even that day, I was sitting there going, you know, the more I do this, <laughs> The more I kind of like it, I kind of like being able to again talk freely, get big picture, you know, ideas about things, and then get more specific, more detailed one when they ask me to. And that's kind of how it got going. Now, look, the first show when I first when when Seth told me we're going to invite you back, we're going to have you know have you do a couple of shows. There was no guarantees for a number of shows, and we were getting paid per show at the time, yeah. and it was not a lot of money. Two hundred fifty dollars a show. No, it was it was eight hundred or six fifty. Uh. Something like that. He goes, so I'm sitting there going, Yeah, you're right. Wow. So it was sink or swim, man. I mean, it was either you knock this out the park or you can't make it, you can't take care of, you know, your family or have, really have a career doing that. So, I mean, I was just like, it's sink or swim. And, and I just, I look, I dove head first into it, Adam. I mean, it was, it, for me, it was not about just trying to rely, rely on stories that I had 
or rely on my playing days. I did. I mean, I used to research my rear end off before we went into those meetings and stuff. I took it dead serious, and I think it showed early on. I, I really do. What has been the most surprising element of working at ESPN for the six now six seasons that you've been here? Most surprising, I, I think. Now that I'm here and I see how many people are involved in making a show go mm-hmm. and how much you know coordinated effort it takes, I think I'm surprised at how many people are behind the scenes, number one, because I didn't realize it was that much work going on. But number two, I don't know if this surprises me, but it's kind of refreshing to me because I'm a worker, right? So when you do the work and you really prepare, it shows on TV. And when you watch yourself back, you can tell I prepared and I was on it that, on, you know, on that particular show. When you watch other programs, if you watch other, you know, whether it be rival networks or even our own network, you can tell when people haven't done the work and you can tell when they're just trying to ad lib their way through it. And I think, you know, I used, I probably thought before I got into this, that would be easy. That'll be easy. You don't have to really prepare. I can just go in there and just talk about ball. It's not like that. It takes a lot of work to do this job at the very highest level. For where, to where people are going, okay, we're going to move you up to some big assignments and give you some big responsibilities. If you think you can come into this business and just BS your way through it and just rely on what I used to do as a player, blah, 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 you're in for a rude awakening. Do you watch tape of yourself after these shows? Absolutely. I don't ever do that, really. I do. I do. Really? And that sometimes it's very uncomfortable. I sit there sometimes looking yeah. at myself like, don't say that. Why do you look like that? Why are you frowning? I don't do it as much as I used to early on. I did it early on. But I still do. I I still do, especially if there's something I felt like I didn't communicate very clearly, like saying someone's first and last name. If I say, if I feel like I'm not doing that enough, (laughs) I do like to go back and critique myself for sure. Because even when you think, you know, you've got it kind of figured out and you're kind of in a nice groove, you're always learning. But it's better than you thought it would be, correct? Yeah. Oh, look, look, this business is, is one where, look, you get to affect a lot of people's opinions. And help formulate what a lot of people think about our game in particular. And that's important to me. Not just when you're talking about the game itself. But if, you, if you've noticed lately, and I noticed you've been doing the same thing. You've been trying to get the message out there about the positive things that players are doing. I think that's very, very important. Because, look, there's enough bad stuff yeah. that's out there all the time. Yeah, all the time. And there's plenty of guys who are, who are knuckleheads. But that's what I really like is that you can really kind of shape people's opinions and not in a deceptive way, but in a very truthful way about how great the game is and how great some of these players are. And there's not enough attention given no to topics doubt like about that. It. No Unfortunately, doubt. that's not what they like to talk about all the time. Yeah. Okay, so you love the job here. Yeah. So what happens if a GM job comes along and they want you to be the general manager of <laughs> Team X? Oh, man. What happens then, Lou? See, see, you're going to ask me that tough question. Well, I'll tell you this. Look, I think everybody here knows, and some people who don't work here who like to try and take shots at me, no. Being a general manager in the, in the NFL is such a unique, unique opportunity and would be a tremendous you know, career achievement for anyone who has been a scout or been a personnel executive or a personnel director that you'd be foolish not to listen to some team coming and saying, would you be interested in talking to us about it? I'm at a position now in my career and here to where Honestly, it would have to be the right team in the right place with the right kind of setup and the right kind of ownership and the right kind of support. It wouldn't be just any old team. I, would say I wouldn't do that. It would be kind of crazy. And That's you, right. Because you could work here for the next 25 years if you want. Absolutely. And you know what? And here's the thing. And I told Seth Markman this when I first started working here. You know, many people come through here and come through media companies 
just using it as a way to broaden their profile so they can get back to where they just left. Every manager in baseball. That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of people who do it. And I remember sitting up in his office and telling him the very first time I talked to him, I promise you, you'll never be able to tell that. that you'll never think that that's what I'm doing. You'll never think that. I'm not going to try and protect anyone. I'm not going to try and absolutely rip anyone for no reason. But I'm going to give it to you straight and I'm going to give it to you honest the way it should be here. Yeah. So, And that's always come across that way. But, look, when I interviewed for the New York Giants, I mean, who wouldn't take that interview as a general, you know, for a general manager position? You're talking about the New York Giants, man. It's like, that's the Yankees of, of football. It's like the Lakers of basketball. Of course you're going to go there. Of course you're going to talk to John Mara and you're going to try and listen to what he has to say and put your best foot forward. And that's exactly what I did. And I, you know what? I have no regrets about how I did in that interview and how positive I thought it went. And if that team ever came around again and said, Hey, we'd like to talk to you again. At some point down the road, or, or a franchise similar to that, of course you would entertain it. You'd be foolish not to, considering what my background has been in football, considering like people like me want the challenge of trying to build a championship football team. The other team you interviewed for was the San Francisco sure. 49ers two years ago. What do you yeah. remember about that interview? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it was it, it was good, because I'll tell you this. Because look, Jed York and Parag Marate were very much so conversational and and very much so I don't want to say informal because they were organized with what they wanted to know but it was very much so laid back it was very much so an exchange of ideas and thoughts about team building about you know different personalities about relationships it was great the same way as it was with with John Marin going to the New York Giants and Mr. Tish but look these guys are very much so established meaning the Maras and the Tishes in mm-hmm. the in the NFL so it had a different kind of the feel to it not to say that, look, the 49ers are very much so a storied franchise, but it just felt a little bit more laid back, but all the just very much enjoyable. It lasted, that interview lasted about, I want to say, three and a half, four hours, and we took maybe one or two breaks. So, huh. I mean, it was like four hours of talking about ball, man, and talking about all kinds of different stuff, which is intense. Can you make a request the next time you get asked to interview for a GM job? I want to go along and just listen in to see what one of those things is like. Yeah. And not say anything. I just want to see what it's like to interview for well, a GM job. Well, you know job. what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's interesting about it. I'm glad you asked that. Because usually you go into those interviews and you have, like, kind of like, I don't want to say it's old school, but I remember back when, like, my cousin Tim Lewis, who used to be a defensive coordinator for the Giants, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's with the Steelers and all, when he was really hot as far as being at the top of the head coaching interview that. list. He used to have these binders that he would make with all kinds of information about his plan, practice schedules, coaching lists, all kinds of things. So you make that kind of stuff just in case they want a hard copy of it, right? So you could say, hey, you could flip to page five and you could look at my head coaching list or how I would organize my scouting department. Both of those interviews, three and a half, four hours with the 49ers, four and a half, five hours with the Giants. I never once opened the book. But you had the book. I had them there. But I had them in my briefcase. I never even reached in to get them. It was conversation. So really, that surprised me a little bit. But at the same time, I liked it because what they are really, what you're required to do is you're really supposed to speak about things that you know. Not you don't have to. They don't want you looking through a binder and trying to like remember how you want to formulate your scouting department. They want you to know. They want you to know what your list of head coaching candidates are. They want you to know the football team that you're coming in and you're going to start evaluating. And I knew every single player. I went through the whole Giants roster. I, they asked me about everybody. And I'll tell you what, it was one of the most, I was so relaxed. I was like, you know what? I didn't even realize the time was flipping by like that. And, and, and Mr. Murray and Mr. Tish, I mean, they were, I mean, they're just A plus people mm. to talk to, man. It was so quality guys. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I literally a couple times I was sitting there going, like, talking to him, and I'm going, I'm interviewing for the New York freaking Giants. Yeah. This is pretty cool. Who's going to be your head coach if you got the job? Oh, man, I can't say, man. <laughs> I can't say that one. But I will say this. The guy who they hired, Pat Shermer, yeah. was high, high, Wait, high Well, you mentioned all these guys that you worked with before, Pat Shermer and Sean McDermott and Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. Head coach, head coach, head coach, head coach. Yeah, head all coach. these guys. Yeah. Who yeah. most of all these people that you ever worked with? And by the way, we'll get into in a moment in the fact that when you played in Cleveland from 1993 to 1995, your head coach was Bill Belichick yeah, and your man. defense coordinator was Nick Saban. That's about as good as it gets, huh? So that's quite a list of people. Yeah. Who Who's the one guy of all these great people that you've crossed paths with yeah. that has left you with the biggest impression? You know what? I would probably say this. I would probably say it's because of his personality and how much fun I had talking to him. And I could walk into his office at any moment and crack a joke, and the dude would be in there breaking down third down and would stop and, like, start cracking jokes with me and then go back to his work and say, hey, check this out. What do you think? Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. Without a doubt. Wow. Doug is one of the most personable, polite, uh, accommodating people I've ever met. See, in I, I think one of the things that people – kind of misconstrued about him when he was hired was because he has that easygoing demeanor, people thought, well, he'll never be able to stand in front of a team and command a room and all that. Nah, that's BS. This guy is an X and O savant. People respect him because of the fact that he knows the game and he can impact their performance positively. And I used to talk hmm. to him about quarterback play because, look, we all know in front office work quarterback evaluation is the most critical. You can't get that position wrong. So I used to go in there and talk to him about quarterback play all the time. Like we had Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb, and Vince Young all come through there. So you're talking about three totally different guys. And I used to talk to Doug about you know what makes these guys different? What makes this guy better than that guy or that guy not as good as this guy? Why was Michael able to take his game from his Atlanta days to his Philadelphia days in a way that no one else was able to get him to do or maybe other coaches couldn't have gotten him to do? Hmm. Let's just put it that way. So I used to talk to him about all that kind of stuff, about – the difference between the profile of a starter versus a backup. Why does a backup's mentality and intelligence level and attention to detail and ability to be a self-starter, why is that all required for a backup even more so than a starter? You know, when backups are sitting there in the room and the coach is not talking to him, what's he doing? Is he doodling and, like, drawing characters and stuff? Or is he the one who's preparing truly like he's a starter? And not every starter, you know what, everybody in the, in the NFL thinks, well, a former starter – who maybe got hurt or his career's kind of descending a little bit, he's the perfect kind of backup. Wrong. A lot of those guys are used to being the guy. Then they become a backup. No one's talking to them. The coach is not paying attention to them. They get they tune out. They, get, they just kind of like they're out there drifting in no man's land. It, he taught me all those kinds hmm. of things. We used to talk about all that kind of stuff. So he was phenomenal. So was, I mean, Howard Mudd, the legendary offensive line coach that our own Jeff Saturday yeah. played for. Yeah. I used to talk, go in the Mud's room and talk to him all the time about, about offensive line play. And there's nothing better than listening to Howard right. Mudd talk about players. So let me tell you. It's Comedy Central, but at the same time, it is assassin serious because you know he knows the game. You know what it is? I think it's offensive line coaches because when I was in Denver, I used to do the same thing with Alex Gibbs. Yeah. And he hated the media, and I would get to go over his house and have dinner with him. Yep. And he'd show me his garden, and he would talk to me about these offensive players. <laughs> yeah. And he and what, the way he said things, and yep. the way it was unbelievable. And I think that some of these offensive line coaches, they are so smart, have to be so smart to coach that position in particular. No, no doubt about it. I mean, though, and, and the thing about Howard was he would make it sound so simple, though. 
Because at the end of the day, he used to tell me this, Lewis, what, they, what you want offensive linemen to do, especially in pass protection, is I really don't care how you do it. Stay in front of that guy. Keep your buddy in front of him so he doesn't hit our quarterback. That's really what it's all about. A lot of these guys, look, there's a lot of technicality to it as far as foot placement and hand placement and technique. Just keep your rear end in front of that guy. However you got to get that done, get it done. So it was cool. So, look, I, I've been exposed to a lot of different people, man. Well, well, that's what I was saying. You went to school with Pitt, but you went to school with Andy Reid and Bill Belichick and Nick Saban yeah. and Howard Mudd and Sean McDermott yep. and Doug Peterson, all these people mm-hmm. who are such a major part, significant part of the NFL today yeah. and all the things that you got to learn from them that you get to share with our viewers. No question. And it's it's all different disciplines and all different facets of the game. You know, with Doug, it's really – I mean, he knows all positions, but it, re- it was really centralized, obviously, on quarterback play. With Sean McDermott, we talked a lot of big-picture stuff about team building and about locker room chemistry and about scouting. Sean was a former scout. He really got into the NFL doing some scouting stuff first before he transitioned into coaching. And we used to talk about different techniques as far as how defensive backs should play the game. Um Matt Nagy, I mean, he was just a young, up-and-coming, hungry coach at the time in Philadelphia. So we used to talk about, you know, what it's like to kind of like stick, you know, keep your uh, nose to the grindstone, not get a whole lot of attention, a whole lot of praise, but just work your rear end off until late at night and how you just couldn't give up. You just had to keep grinding and grinding, and eventually people would recognize you. Now look at him. He's running his own team wearing designer jeans and stuff. When I see him, I'm like, this isn't the Nagy I know. He goes, you used to be in an office about this big, about the size of a cube. He'd be like, yeah, man. You, and you know what? He just kept working at it. But guys like him, I mean, Pat Shermer, Pat's about as steady and calm yeah. and cool and collected as a, of a guy as you'll ever see. And so you can see that, you know, in his press conferences at the Giants. So, and then, you know, Big Red himself, Andy Reid, the Big Red in pro football, nobody has their finger on everything like he does other than maybe, obviously, Bill Belichick. But Andy knows everything, the whole operation. And when I used to talk to him, we used to have a lot of one-on-one talks, Adam, about football operations from a big umbrella perspective. Like, what kind of grass do you want to have on your practice field to what kind of training room do you want to have, what kind of planes you want to fly on, what kind of hotels you want your players to sleep Mm -hmm. in. All that He used to say, listen, Lewis, we can X and O this stuff to death all day long. Because there's only so many ways you can line up 11 guys, and there's only so many ways you can blitz my quarterback, Right. But let's just talk about the things. He used to try and talk to me about the things that really made the difference. And it was those little things about saving your players' legs, making sure they're comfortable on the airplane. What kind of food are you feeding them? How much time are you giving them off on the bye week? He had mastered all that stuff, and that's why he's been as successful as he's been. We'll be back in a moment with more of my conversation with Lewis Riddick. But first, I want to tell you about Indochino. Everybody knows that every man looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company they make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and level of comfort guys love the wide selection of high quality fabrics and colors to choose from and the option to personalize the details including your lapel lining pockets buttons and writing your own monogram here's how it works visit a stylist at their showroom and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at indochino.com Choose your inside and outside fabrics. Choose your design customizations. Submit your measurements with your choices. Then sit back and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks. This week, my listeners get any premium Indochino suit for $359 at Indochino.com when entering Schefter at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure 
premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Schefter for any premium suit for just over $359 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. I get some time for some rapid-fire predictions for me for this year. Yeah, for sure. Give me the offensive MVP in the NFL this year. Oh, offensive MVP. Let me see. I'll go with Aaron Rodgers. Only because, I mean, obviously it sounds a little bit easy, but I think he's going to be highly, highly motivated for a number of different reasons. One, because he's going to get a blockbuster contract. Two, because I think Packers management ticked him off a little bit by taking his best friend out of there and Jordy Nelson. Three, because he's got Jimmy Graham. Four, Devontae Adams is a beast. They have a running game. And I think the defense is going to be much better with Mike Pettin uh, leading the charge up there. Defensive MVP of the NFL this year. Oh, wow. Tough one. There's so many good players, man. Yep. You know what? See, this one's going to – here, this is for you Jaguars fans. It'll be Jalen Ramsey. Ooh, your boy. Okay, and I'll tell your you what. Boy. See, you know what? I, I can't. I cannot escape this whole – pre-draft thing from when he came out. That's right? okay. And here, here's the thing. So let me explain it on your podcast Go one ahead. last time. This is what I said about Jalen Ramsey. I said, a guy that big, long, and tall. I, I thought in college he struggled some with quick change of direction players because he's so long, right? He's a guy who's six foot, he's taller than me. So when you're talking about matching up with guys like Antonio Brown or you know even a guy like Amari Cooper, real quick, darty type players, yeah. Naturally, you're going to have a little bit of a problem. Yeah, you didn't see it. Well, no. He's kind of, look, there were players who beat him, but maybe the quarterback didn't get the ball to him. But for the most part, look, Jalen shut people down. I mean, he snatched their will away, okay? And his ball skills are just ridiculous. He'll knock your block off. And now he's playing with such confidence that on a great defense. it's going to be, yeah, with tremendous pass rush and another great corner on the other side, and Nate Bouye. That's right. Everything is lining up for him to have a absolute, just monstrous type of year. And I, I think, without a doubt, he's MVP caliber. And glad to see you come around on Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Overall <laughs> NFL MVP. And you go back to Aaron Rodgers or Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. But you got somebody there that's going to win the overall MVP award. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it, it's always going to be a quarterback. It'll, it'll, what's interesting, I, I like Tom Brady's comment just the other day when I think who made the Super Bowl prediction? Oh, Tony Romo said that the Jaguars would be the AFC rep. And, and Tom said, we'll see. It's cool watching Tom kind of, morph into this more easygoing, fun-loving, you know, putting pictures of his family on Instagram, making jokes and stuff type of guy. I think do not mistake that for a guy who still does not want to cut everyone's heart out in the NFL. Fuels him. Absolutely. I think he will be right there. Between him and Aaron, one of those two will win it. Uh, your fantasy sleeper, and that's a guy that's going to come out of nowhere. Your eyes are opening wide. It's a curveball question, sleeper. but we got our producer, Daniel Doppin, <laughs> here. He's not in the 16-team War Room League, so I want you to give me a guy that we should be taking in the late rounds oh, of fantasy. Man. I, I, I know I, you're not a big fantasy guy. A guy that's I know, but big... I'm going to play this year. You're going to play in the War Room? The, yeah. Get out of That's breaking news right there. As a matter of fact, Seth, Seth Markman, Seth Markman, folks, Again. that's first and last name, he texted me about two or three weeks ago and said, are you interested in joining the War Room? Is that the War Room, right? The League? War Room yeah. League. I was, he was, and I kind of like didn't respond to him for a day. I was like, I really want to do this. Cause look, yes, I'll you take, do. I'll take it so serious. Oh, I won't no, enjoy no, it. No, no. I won't enjoy it, though, because I'll take it too serious. I'll be in there. Welcome I'll be the one world. screaming That's all the fantastic. time. What, what That's you what you do. That's what you <laughs> exactly. do. Exactly. Adam, Adam, folks, Adam does not enjoy <laughs> fantasy football. If you would be in our rooms on Sundays, you'd be like, Oh my! And, Did and, he really say that? And I think people derive a great, great deal of pleasure at seeing how tormented I am. On <laughs> <Yeah. Sundays. laughs> Who's my? You know what? 
Give Man, me a I, guy can't, that, I can't give you a sleeper right now. Well, give me a guy that's going to have a better year. I, I, we won't put him in a sleeper category. A, a better year than people are expecting. Somebody that people aren't talking about that's going to be a factor this year. Oh, a wide oh, receiver, a running back, a tight end. Can it be a quarterback? Yeah. Well, I know, I know you're going to pick a quarterback. I know you're going to pick a quarterback. Look. Andy's pupil. Adam. I don't think you understand. Oh, I do how understand. How special this dude is. <laughs> I don't think you get. It. Look, and for those I, who are out there, we're Lewis talking about Pat Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. <laughs> hey, look, man. Look, last year when when I really got on this Jared Goff train, it was because people were telling me how good of a coach Sean was. Yeah, McVay. Sean McVay. Yeah, and and people said, look, he will dial in with him. He will form a relationship with him. All right, now Brett Veach, the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, is one of my best friends in the NFL. You got to, you know, I wish I could tape one of our phone conversations. When I talk to him about Pat Mahomes, this guy is so fired up about Pat. That whole place is, they, they are literally sitting there like a little kid, like trying to get into Disney, waiting for it to open. Well, in the world, like, you should take Pat Mahomes with your first round pick. That's not a smart thing I heard. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about drafting in there, but I'm just going to tell you that he's going to, he is going to have a whale of a year. Yeah. I know you're I'm on just that telling train. You. And my last prediction from the great Lewis Riddick today, mm. Super Bowl. Like Tony Romo did. He said the Jaguars and the Packers. I don't mean to have you give Tom Brady any more fodder. Yeah. But give us your Super Bowl prediction there, Lou. Whew. Okay. Let's see. You know what? Real pause there. There, There is. I'm, I'm going to... St- it's tough because, like, look, the NFC, man. the NFC Loaded, right? The there are eight strong. teams in the NFC it's that could go. And really, I mean, it could be like one injury that will just tilt the Correct. balance of power like so in hard. a hurry. But I'll, I'll go with this. I'm going to say Philadelphia goes back. Back. Because I wow. think the chemistry there is what makes the difference. They won't be complacent. I really do think this team is on to something a little bit different. So Ben McAdoo wasn't right in saying Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I said that just for Ben. You know, I can't believe Ben said that. First of all, I can't believe he said that. Like, you know, they're not going to be able to handle success. What do you know about their team? Were you there? Come on. I'll, I'll say this. I'm say I'm going to say it'll be, yeah. It's either going to be Philly, Jacksonville, or Philly, New England. It's just this. It's just going to be one of those wow. two. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with New England only because Everyone's counting them out and saying that this is the end of the Patriot way. I'm going to say, hey, wouldn't it be? Now, that would be wild if it was Philly and New England again, wouldn't it? Uh, Tom's not going to like that answer. He, he was hoping you were going to say Jacksonville. So, you know, another well, guy no, you know what? Yeah, don't worry. He doesn't need a, any more motivation. But I, I will say this. Those those two teams, I'd have a hard time betting against them. Unless a bunch of things kind of go against them, whether it be injury or something that we just can't foresee, why wouldn't you pick those mm-hmm. two teams? Hard to argue. Yeah. Lewis, congratulations on your rise to Monday night stardom, draft day analyst <laughs> yeah. on ESPN, one of the foremost analysts in the entire NFL, and all it, the man. success that you've had. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to watch it up close and personal. Well, we have fun together, Adam. I enjoy working with you, and I appreciate you having me on here. Thank you, Lewis. All right, man. And so there are Lewis Riddick's football predictions for the coming 2018 football season, which basically opens this week with everybody coming into camp by the end of this week. We'll be back next week on the Adam Schefter Podcast with another very special guest, Randy Moss, going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame later this summer. will join us next week on the Adam Schefter Podcast. Thanks for listening this week, everybody.